Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I am your host, Angie Miller, and I am so glad you joined me here today. We are going to talk about imposter syndrome and the possibility that it might be what's burning you out. And I've talked about imposter syndrome on our podcast before, but I still hear so much feedback that this is such a powerful topic, both in the workplace, in the fitness field, everywhere we go. It's that fear of being found out. Like, what if I'm a fraud? What if people figure out that I really don't know what I'm doing? Because I feel like everyone around me somehow seems to have it together, but I don't. And I think a lot of imposter syndrome is perpetuated by social media and everybody putting the best of episode of their lives on social media, looking like they've always got it together and they're always successful. But I'm here to tell you that is not really the way it goes and you are not alone. So I have have a dear friend of mine. Her name is Samantha Gambino. She is a licensed psychologist and she's the founder of Strong and Mindful. And she's going to come on and give us her lens on how she sees imposter syndrome and how it is so notorious for causing burnout. So welcome, Samantha. Come on in and introduce yourself. Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, it's really exciting to be here. And it's a uh, quite a wonderful topic. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yes, definitely. Tell us a little bit about Strong and Mindful, because I know you started this company. I'm curious about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so during COVID and kind of as an aftermath of COVID, I have always been a licensed psychologist in private practice, but I realized the need of really bringing mental health awareness and programming into businesses and into companies. Um, so that is what I do. You know, I work with each company with where they are and how to help them bring, whether it's support, wellness workshops, um, sort of trainings into the workplace because okay. people are suffering. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that it's good because I think that wellness in the workforce is is a huge thing right now. So Absolutely. yeah. And Samantha, you're in New York. Is that right? Yes, I am. New York City. Okay. All right. Well, I'm in Charlotte in my house. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's deep dive here. Let's first talk about imposter syndrome. So I always define imposter syndrome. By the way, my my little puppy that's in the background, he, he does not suffer with imposter syndrome. He has not a fear in the world. But um, I feel like imposter syndrome is this just internalized fear that we have, like we're going to be exposed. At some point, somebody's going to figure out we don't know what we're doing. And we, we tend to think we're the only ones who have it. And I think it leads to burnout because we put so much pressure on ourselves and we can't possibly meet or live up to our own expectations. So let's kind of talk about first imposter syndrome. How do you define it, Samantha? Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Um, this idea of such a fear of being found out or that people are going to see and know that you're a fraud. And a lot of that originates because you, inside of you, you feel like a fraud or you have certain insecurities that you're not good enough. And it's a projection that other people will then find out and they will know, in quotes, you're a fraud. It creates mm -hmm. tremendous anxiety. Yeah. I love the word projection because I think you're spot on. And, and so much of miscommunication is projection. It's based on our own insecurities. We assume other people think we look bad because we feel bad, or we assume that they think we don't know what we're doing because we think 
we don't know what we're doing. We project onto other people our deepest fears and insecurities. And you and I both know as clinicians, that's what gets in the way of communication so many times. It's like you say to a partner, she didn't even say that, or he didn't even say that. But in their mind, they heard it. <laughs> it's right. crazy. Right. right. And, it, and one person can be saying one thing and someone else is saying something and means something totally different, but yet you're responding to what you think is happening based on your <laughs> internal needs. So it's isn't, that, isn't that crazy? This is why <laughs> communication goes wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's so true. Somebody says something, they didn't even say what you heard. That's and right. you're like, somehow between what you said and what I, and what this person heard, there's a complete disconnect and it's getting right. into where that disconnect is. That's so, right. Let's talk about burnout then. Um, you know, burnout's a really big overused word and people are like, oh, self-care for burnout. Well, a bath isn't going to prevent burnout. A bath might feel good, but it's not going to fix all our ailments. So what? how do you define burnout? When I think of burnout, you know, there, and you're right, it is so overused in today's culture, right? Everyone's burnt out. I'm burnt out from this. I'm burnt out from that. Burnout, though, is actually um, something that is related to your job and to work. And there's three defining characteristics. It's there is that there is a physical and emotional exhaustion. It's a sense of depersonalization. And the third criteria is cynicism. So those are the three defining characteristics of, of burnout. Hmm. Okay. Let's go there for a minute. So I feel like everybody goes, okay, physical and emotional exhaustion, get that check, check, check. <laughs> and then cynicism. Hmm, I'm loving this one. Cynicism, because I, I feel like when I think of cynicism, I think, yeah, people become, I, I define it like edgy, like somebody peels yes. your skin off and it's like, you're just edgy and raw and everything just makes you cynical because you're just not your best self. That's right. You're irritable, right? You're like, your, your fuse is very short. You're ready to kind of bite. Um, also, it, it, it's this feeling of like, why bother? Like, why should I do this? What's the point? Um, that starts, that's a kind of defining characteristic of burnout when you're sort of like, what is the point of this? Like, and I think that relates to people feeling also like, what's the purpose and when you lose your purpose, right, or the joy in what you're doing or your work, that's a sure thing, like a straight kind of ride to burnout. Um, so the cynicism is kind of that attitude that sets in. You're irritable. Everyone bothers you. You can't be bothered, right? You're what's yeah. the point? This doesn't matter. The big picture, there's like no big picture that you're working towards. All of that yeah. is like how I think of cynicism in this respect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfect description because you're right. You do. You start to lose your way. Like, yeah. what is the point? I'm working my tail fanny off and all I'm doing is collecting a paycheck, but I'm doing it for X and X company and you don't find a sense of purpose. So I love the cynicism. And the other one that you mentioned was the depersonalization. And I feel like not everyone knows that. We kind of go, oh, cynicism, oh, mental and physical exhaustion. Okay, I get it. But what's with the depersonalization? Do you want to go there? Absolutely. Depersonalization is this like internal feeling that you feel like disconnected from yourself and you feel disconnected from others. Like people will talk to me about feeling numb, like just everything's numb. They're indifferent. I don't I don't care too strongly about it. I don't really care what you decide. I don't actually care what's going on around me. Like I'm just sort of here, but I'm not engaged. I'm not feeling it like my juices aren't going 
I'm just sort of detached is, is kind of what depersonalized means. Mm. And it can show up like numbness and indifference. You know, and I have a lot of people talking about how then this bleeds over into their relationships, right? And they just feel so blah. So it's that mm-hmm. blah feeling and like no energy or interest. Yeah. And you're right. Cause I mean, t- t- try having a relationship, a personal relationship where work doesn't bleed in. It just doesn't go that way. We're not machines. We don't get to shut down our mind and our body the way we shut down our computer. So when I think of depersonalization, I I always use the word detached. But the other thing that I always say is like, you're a passive bystander. (laughs) Like you're watching your life, but it's almost like a bus is driving by with a banner on it. And you're like, oh, I think that's me, but I kind of don't even feel attached to that person or that life. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's what comes to my mind when I think of depersonalization. It's a great analogy. Yeah, that bus. I don't know. So don't ask me where I came up with that one. I don't even ride buses here in Charlotte. So um, so let's talk about because, you know, again, uh, and first, I just want to reintroduce you. So I'm talking to Samantha Gambino, and she's a licensed psychologist and the founder of Strong and Mindful. And I'm Angie Miller. And this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. But more importantly, we're talking about imposter syndrome and is imposter syndrome burning you out? And the specific lens that I want to look through imposter syndrome today is how it is so highly linked to burnout. And, you know, we say we're burnout, but we're not really sure why. And so Samantha and I kind of want to give you this lens of saying, what if it's because it's all this pressure you're putting on yourself or this fact that you doubt yourself so much and that's why you're so burnout because you're literally creating mental warfare. So um, Samantha, let's talk about that link between imposter syndrome and burnout. Mm -hmm. We've kind of described imposter syndrome. We've described burnout. How do you define that link to your your clients? Yeah, it, it's kind of, it, it's this link or like this bridge is the way I think of it. Um, and when you start looking at the research between, and I, I mean, in a way it's maybe feels cliche, right? We're using these buzzwords, imposter syndrome, burnout. Um, but the research does show a link between imposter syndrome and burnout. And what they're finding is that people who struggle with imposter syndrome they have, it's significantly associated with these three characteristics of burnout, the exhaustion, the cynicism, and the detachment or the depersonalization. And I think what's happening, um, and also what's being reported, but what I see in practice and out in, out in the world is that people basically are, as an imposter, right, you feel like a fraud. So you feel like you need to prove yourself all the time. So you're doing and doing and doing, and you're on this sort of like treadmill, right, of always going and always going. But what happens is at the first sign of failure or maybe challenge, you start to really lose your Mm self-confidence because you're not strong enough on the inside to know I'm still valued you're you're working and working and so what you do to overcome feeling like a fraud is you work more and that creates a cycle and that's the link right that i feel like a fraud i feel like i need to prove myself or i'm not good enough so i work more and i work and i work and i work and what happens is as you have these two characteristics you tend to lose your self-confidence you internalize failure. So somehow that's your fault and you hyper-focus on the mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's a I think, 
I think that was a, a like a such a perfect description because I think that I feel like if if people don't if they're still like I'm not sure I struggle with imposter syndrome I think I would encourage everybody to think back to the first time they started a job and how much you were like oh my gosh oh my gosh I can't believe I got hired for this or like it, literally I was at book club last night and this one gal who used to be a clinician gets this amazing job doing case management and she's making so much money. And she's like, I had such imposter syndrome because frankly, as clinicians, we're not used to making a lot of money at third-party payouts with insurance. And she's like, I had such imposter syndrome because I was like, I've never made this kind of money. And, and what if I mess up? And and I, I do case management, but not for a big company, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's that a lot of times it's being in a new space and seeing yourself through a different lens, have everybody be so excited that you're there and they're like, oh, your resume is perfect on paper. And then you get this feeling of, but now I have to prove to them that I was actually worth hiring. And I have to prove to them that everything they believe is true about me. And then, like you said, they get caught in this cycle of self-doubt and then they work more and more and more. It's kind of like success too, that when people become successful and they achieve here, they're like, oh, well, then now I got to achieve here. And they keep going higher and higher, right? And the bar just keeps getting raised. That's right. And you're bringing up a great point because it is in new situations, especially it there's there's a level of normalcy, right? To feeling scared or worried or like wanting to show your strengths. And that does happen in new situations. The issue with imposter syndrome is once you settle into a new situation, right? And you kind of form a few connections, you people who don't feel like a fraud, they start to really settle into their skills and their value and they're not trying to prove themselves. There's always like those jitters. I think that's normal. But when it bleeds over to the point where, you know, you're six months into your job, your new role, and you're still every day so concerned about feeling like a fraud and an imposter, that's where like the balance starts to tip. Um, yes. So I want to just normalize some of those feelings too, because who isn't like scared in new situations or worried or concerned, right? Exactly. But it's when a, when you're down the road and you're still feeling like you're new to a job. And that's why I think that analogy I use, because it's like, yes, if you're new, that's one thing. But if you're six months, a year down the road and you're still feeling that, now you know that you're full on into those feelings of imposter syndrome. And the other thing that I think is worth bringing up, Samantha, is how linked this whole like burnout imposter syndrome cycle is to perfectionism and how that whole, like it all kind of goes together in one big icky pot because we just, we keep striving for perfection versus just good enough. And then that even drives burnout, right? Absolutely. I mean, what is like absolutely astounding to me is that the research basically shows that the, the cohort, right, or the sort of profile of someone who suffers from imposter syndrome, usually it's female, it's, it's skewed in that direction, it's highly educated um, females, it's perfectionistic females, right, who want to do a good job, and it's highly successful women. So you've got these well-educated, highly successful, smart, bright, competent, capable women who work hard, right, and try to 
be good at things and be perfect, that is sort of the cocktail for imposter syndrome. I mean, and it's astounding because you would think someone who is successful and well-educated and presents as strong and capable that they wouldn't feel these things underneath. But I think it speaks to how common this phenomenon is. And then it fuels the cycle, right? Work, work, work to prove myself. Then you look back and you're just exhausted and you start to like have that feeling like, I hate my job. I don't want to go in. What's the point? Why bother? Nothing changes. Um, I'm not making a difference. And then you're, you're burnt out. Or no one appreciates me when in truth, it's because you're not hearing the positive accolades. You're, you're, you know, that Teflon is, is making you not hear anything good, but the Velcro, any little nuance or suggestion that anybody gives you is just, oh, point in fact, see, I knew I wasn't made for this job. And uh, any little uh, positive construction, it's like, nope, can't have it. And, and, you know, it's interesting that you say that about females who are educated and successful and they're smart. And I'm glad you brought it up because that's the thing is we think that those women out there are rocking the world right now and they are, but they're at home grappling with this horrific um, anxiety and self-doubt the whole time that they're doing it. And so, and chances are they're putting that same pressure on themselves as a mom, as a, 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 you know, partner, whatever it might be. So it bleeds into everything, doesn't it? It bleeds into everything because there's always this like desperation in a way to have to prove your self-worth, right? So then that that is done through working more and giving more and doing more. Um, And then also what happens is people uh, that, that are in this sort of situation, they start to really delay like their own personal needs. They may sleep less. They may not be exercising or eating healthier. They're grabbing like comfort food, right? And all of that then feeds into, oh, I feel like a failure. I didn't get to the gym. I ate like terrible last night or I gained five pounds or or this. Mm-hmm. And it fuels a cycle of the negativity. Um, so it bleeds over also into one's personal life. And like, in, I mean, you brought up self-care. When I think of self-care, I do think of eating healthy. I think of things that promote your health, social connections, right? So there's no time for social con- connections. Mm-hmm. If you always have to prove yourself um, <laughs> yes. and be productive because meeting someone like, right, if we meet for coffee, I'm not trying to prove myself to the world or like, I mean, at least me personally, I'm not posting all of this on social media and this. So that gets taken off the list of things that are important. Yeah. I think that was so well said. And, you know, for those of you just joining us again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm talking to Samantha Campino. She's a licensed psychologist and the founder of Strong and Mindful. And we're talking about why imposter syndrome burns you out. And, you know, guys, I, I have to tell you something. I feel like I, I like this topic so much because it's been such a journey for me personally. And if I were to be completely honest, I'd say my first experience with imposter syndrome was a bazillion years ago before anybody even knew what it was or identified it. I was the first person in the history of my family to go away to college. 
And I'm still the first person to get a master's degree. And so I went through imposter syndrome at college. Like, what am I doing here? I don't even know how to do this college thing. And, uh, and what is this Greek community? And what does this look like? And how do I apply for, you know, whatever, whatever. And then I went through it in my first job. I started to teach school and, oh, I've got a career and I don't know how to have a career. And, um, everything. I start NASM and I get imposter syndrome. Oh, the team is brilliant. What if I don't belong? And so I feel like we, it's interesting because the more high achieving you are, the more you're going to push yourself. And the more you're going to push yourself, the more you're going to find yourself super uncomfortable. And guess what? That's when it kicks in. And so you just have to lean in and say, okay, Angie, do a self-check. If you didn't push yourself, if you weren't so committed to excellence, you wouldn't be in these situations where you're uncomfortable and you wouldn't have imposter syndrome, but guess what? You wouldn't have what you have. And so I think we have to do self-checks once in a while. And, uh, and that didn't come on my own. It came with coaching therapy, help saying you you're okay. You can do all this because you earned it. Right. I love that. I love so, that. yeah. You know what I'm thinking is also like what I tell clients sometimes is right. Um, this idea of having to be perfect or do everything to this point of excellence. When you're a successful, strong, capable, highly educated female, right, or person, I shouldn't, I don't want to be gendered here, but when you're strong and smart and educated, right, your level of excellence is so incredibly high. So that there's this continuum, right? That that's not actually the general sort of level of excellence in the world. That's yours is actually much higher than right. like the general uh, population, right? And people say, I don't want to be the general population. I get that. But at the same point, the, gen the, the level of excellence for the general population is also incredibly high. Yes. Right. So we have to sort of realign our expectations to know my level of excellence is too high. It's not good for me. Right. It, it causes me to burn out. I need to be in the level of excellence of the mainstream population, which is still a wonderful place to be, because if right. I push myself to the to the apex. Right. I am hurting myself internally. So it's yeah. always this like like you're titrating right? Like your level of excellence and sort of how much you're pushing yourself and, and neglecting yourself or not. Does that make sense? Oh, it for sure does. And I think, and it's funny because I have, um, you know, my family always balances me out, maybe not in the kindest way, but my sisters might be known to say things like, who are you? <laughs> how did you become a part of us? Because what you do, what we do, and you're never satisfied. So I'm not sure where you came from, Angie. Um, but it does give me a little bit of balance. Leave it yes. to sisters. And where I'm like, yeah, what am I doing? Like, why am I over here trying to, who am I trying to prove myself to besides myself? And I think you have to come into that uh, idea of good enough is good enough. And my standards are pretty high. And so I'm going to have to be satisfied at some point. And um, so that I'm glad you actually said that because that's kind of where I was going was, okay, now we get it. There is a link. We've proved it. We've shown them, but what do we do now? Because still, I feel like people are still like, 
but fix me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, no, exactly. And look, there's a lot, um, this is a lot of work and it's a lot of reflection in terms of really being in tune and on top of yourself and your inner, inner dialogue. But sometimes the way I think of treating burnout is sort of like through the back door, right. Of entreating, of treating imposter syndrome. And so in terms of thinking of it in that way, one is, and I'm always talking about this, people have to slow down because when you're going and going and trying to achieve and perform and produce, you're running on a treadmill. And when you're running so fast, you miss what's around you, right? It's like a blur kind of thing. When you're running at a little bit more of a casual speed, you see things and you take in the details differently. So I tell clients, listen, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but you do need to slow down in a way that you can see what's happening around you. Take in your small wins and, and really celebrate them. Because when you're on that treadmill and you're at a like 10.0, right? And you're cruising, you're not taking in what's actually happening. So you have to slow the treadmill down to say, wow, I did such a great job in this presentation today. Like, I feel really proud of myself. You have to acknowledge your successes. You, you know, people talk about celebrating their small wins. All of that as a first step is to slow down so you can see the wins and you can see the successes and then celebrate them, right? Even if it's you talking to yourself differently to say, I was a little nervous, but you know what? It, it was wonderful and people really enjoyed it. The feedback was so positive. That's the other thing. When you get positive feedback, take it in, soak it in. Don't brush it off. Don't say, oh, it's whatever. They say that to everyone. No, they don't. Yeah. Take it in so you absorb it. So you can start to internalize the feedback that is saying, you're doing a wonderful job. <coughs> um, bless you. So, <laughs> thank to, you. You really have to internalize all of this. And I love what you said before, this idea of good enough. And I work in that space a lot too with people, this idea that, and this is so like becomes like counterculture, but this idea, there's no such thing as perfect, yeah. right? Because what you think is perfect may be totally different from what I think is perfect. It's a subjective experience. And what the research shows and what I have seen is that when people say, for example, if we're going to use like a, a health and wellness goal, oh, I want to lose five pounds and then I'll be happy, right? Or then I'll feel like things are perfect. That's actually not true, right? So whenever you attain what you what you want, you're wanting more. So your like your definition of perfection changes. And right. so that's what I'm trying to illustrate. It's a very subjective point. The idea is to understand there is no such thing as perfect. And what social media is showing and what you may see as the perfect family or the perfect holiday or the perfect workout routine that is right like not actually the reality of the situation even though you don't see the behind the scenes you right. have to really know and understand there's a lot of behind the scenes that just are not perfect and well from that it's important right and i think that in the work that you and i do we see the picture of quote perfect and then we hear the story and then we go but no one on the street would ever assume 
any differently. Same way trainers, personal, you know, fitness instructors, when you're working with your clients, you see the perfect on the outside or, you know, what other people might perceive to be. And then you hear their story and you go, wow, you know, not everyone has it all together. But Samantha, I really like what you said about slowing down. And I think that you're right. It's anticlimactic. It's not what people want to hear, but I don't think we're saying, you know, work, work, we're not saying, um, you know, work five hours a day instead of 10. Right. We're just Kick saying back, your feet up. No. Right. And, 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 you know, just at the end of the day, the thing I always challenge my clients to do is at the end of the day, if you would do one thing for me, take five to 10 minutes and write down five to 10 things that went well that day, whether it's something someone said, a project you finished, an email you finally answered, something you've been procrastinating on that you finally accomplished, write down five to 10 things because I want that to be the last thought before you go to bed. I just want you to take a minute to celebrate your wins because otherwise you're going to go to bed and you're going to focus on that one thing someone said in a meeting that you perceived was meant as a direct jab to you that probably wasn't. And so I want to get your mind into a healthier space. And so I think that's a huge one is just slowing down, acknowledging our successes. Is there anything else that you think in terms of like really, because one other thing that always comes to my mind too is tapping into maybe not necessarily where imposter syndrome started, but like how it makes sense. Like I just told my story. It makes sense to me that I've grappled with it, but it doesn't mean that I can't hone in on it and get better. Right, right. <laughs> what, what do you think? Are you saying kind of hone in on where it may come from for you? Yeah. And just like maybe another tool is just to kind of do some self-reflection, like you said, yeah. figure out where it comes from and then kind of say, okay, it's normal, mm -hmm. but now what? Well, a lot of times that's right. The self-reflection piece is important. And a lot of what you said does make sense, right? As sometimes the oldest in a family or the first to go to school or go to college or to get a degree, that places a lot of pressure because your your comparison group of our, your family is so different, right? So in that way, it's easy to feel like a fraud. A lot of times when kids are, you know, adults, but as children, they're brought up in households where it's all about performance and being perfect and straight A's and being the best at things. Their kids learn that in order to kind of be good and to be valued, I have to be a straight A student. Yeah. So as a, an adult, the work is undoing those lessons that you have internalized and that have become your own. Okay. So we're on the same page there. Yes. Kind of going back, doing some reflection, figuring out where it came from. Not because we're going to blame our parents. Can we please get oh. off that? Not because yeah. we're going to blame our parents, not because we're going to shame anybody, but just because we kind of need to honor that it came from this place. And parents have the best of intentions mostly, and they just want their kids to succeed. But maybe what we got out of it was I got the most attention when I performed really well, and I carried that into my adult life. Okay. That's right. That's right. I think well said. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else before we go that you think helps people with this whole imposter syndrome thing? Yeah, I, I love your exercise of writing down wins from the day or things that went well. Um, one thing that I, I use that one also, so I, I love it. But another one that I use is just sort of like, I mean, I hate the word mantra, right? It's another overused word here, but sort of like looking at your internal dialogue or your inner self-critic, right? And 
and reframing those words. The one that I teach people is that there's no such thing as perfect. It's good enough. And I even use it, I say to myself, right? When I'm like correcting or overcorrecting something, I'm like, you know what? There's no such thing as perfect. It's good enough. And sometimes I just limit it to it's good enough. But those words reinforce the idea in your mind, right? That there is no such thing as perfect and it is good enough. And I think that's an important message for um, people to be sending to themselves. It's, it's quite impactful. Okay. Perfect. I like that. Oh, I just used the word perfect. Shame <laughs> on me. Um, I have one more that I want to share. A friend said this to me recently. Um, she's a coach and she said, what's one right thing you can do today? Just one. Give me one thing you can do today. It doesn't have to be a quote, a right thing. However you want to phrase it. What's one thing you can do today? Just give yourself one task. And then when you do it, Good job, Angie. So sometimes we're in the throes of imposter syndrome or stress or life change, you know, relationship discord, um, job loss, whatever it might be. We feel like we are stuck. And so what's one right thing you can do to move the needle even a tiny bit? And sometimes that can help us to recognize that even the smallest things can be really big things and, and they can make a huge difference because it's like dominoes. So I yeah. agree. I love that. I think it's wonderful. Like advice. It's really super helpful. Yeah. Well, Samantha, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I love that we got to talk about imposter syndrome and burnout because I do think there's a huge link and it's it's prevalent out there. There's so much of it out there. And so to all of you who struggle with trying to be perfect or trying to prove to everybody else how worthy you are, keep in mind, chances are you're trying to prove it to yourself. You are worthy. And sometimes we just need somebody to come in and remind us of everything that we have achieved and kind of look at things through a different lens. So thanks so much for joining us on Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'll see you next time.